You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. Kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the auto mat. Men grow cold as girls grow old. We all lose our charm in the end. But square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Let's ride. In 2004, Jonelle McLean was window shopping at a mall in Ventura, California, when she saw a diamond necklace in a jewel store display. It was priced at $37,000. She decided to buy this necklace and found 12 other women to help her split the price. The story of what happened and how this changed their lives is told in the necklace, 13 women and the experiment that transformed their lives. I have 10 of them, nine of them here with me today. Thank you for joining me, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you each say your name? I may do. Roz Warner. Mary Osborne. Joni Pence. Nancy Huff. Jonelle McLean. Patty Channer. Priscilla Van Gundy. Dale Mugenberg. Tina Osborne. Very good. I, I'd like to start with you, Jonelle, since you are the visionary who kind of came up with this idea. Uh, tell me about seeing this necklace for the first time. What made you want to buy such a necklace? That's a really interesting question. Um, I was just kind of drawn into the store. It's a beautiful necklace. It's 15 and a half carats, 118 diamonds, but very simple and very lovely. When I went into the store, I tried it on, and I looked in the mirror. And when I asked the sales clerk how much it cost, and she told me $37,000, I was really stunned. I was at that time working with kids as a mentor, and I knew what $37,000 meant in the world. So the story is kind of a, the study of the paradox between why we want things like this, what draws us into them, and what we really want in our life, and especially at Women at Men Point, what we're looking for, what was the meaning. I'm wondering if you could tell me, you know, you were kind of uh, an easygoing woman. You, you described yourself as being a hippie. What, <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> what, what was the attraction of this kind of super expensive bobble? Well, that's the question. I mean, what is this ha that has us want these kind of things? What is the draw of luxury when you have a social conscience? So it really is the paradox of the times. I mean, we're drawn to luxury. We realize what it means in the world that some people have so much more than others, and yet, and yet we're drawn to it. Now, uh, Patty, uh, I'm wondering if you could tell me, um, you're a shopper and, and a consumer. You're was. I, was. <laughs> Was very much so. Now, how did you know Jonelle, and how did you, what did you say when she first called you and said, "I've got this great idea"? Well, I've known Jonelle for approximately almost thirty years, and um, I was um, this was four years ago. So I was in my car, and she called on the cell phone, 
And she starts explaining to me that she saw this necklace and uh, that it was $37,000 and da-da-da-da-da. And uh, having known Janelle and know that Janelle does not wear jewelry other than the peace, gold peace sign that she has as a necklace, I had to pull over to the side of the road. And uh, <laughs> I just said, I'm in, I'm in. And she kept saying, go try it. I said, I don't need to try it on. If I wanted a diamond necklace, I would have bought one. I'd have one already. I knew that it was something way bigger and out of the box than a diamond necklace. And so I was in from the beginning because I knew it was going to be something something different. And it was a time in my life where I was um, reinventing myself. I had uh, had a practice with my husband for 30 years. And we had um, just retired. And so I was looking for something else. And, and at this, uh, this actually is, you know, great part of my life and the affluenza part was um, there were some books we were asked to read and affluenza was one of them along with prime time and that really struck me as to my accumulation of things and what that was all about in my life so now I uh, instead of uh, accumulating I am uh, delegating and giving things away and really questioning what uh, what consumerism is all about in my life Priscilla, it was your husband who, who owned the jewelry store. Well, it's pretty much a roll of the eyes, like, I don't have time for this, because my whole life was everything and everybody came first before nurturing Wyndham friends. So when he told me I was part of a group, in my head and in my heart, I didn't get it, because I hadn't really belonged to exclusive women groups um, for a long time, probably all my life. I, I really didn't know what that was about. So I did roll my eyes a little bit because I was, a, you know, I didn't have time. In my mind, I didn't have time to belong to a woman's group. So it was just like frustration that he enrolled me in one other thing that I didn't have time for. So Now, you kind of come from a, a, a working class background and, and have, a, as I understand it, kind of a strong work ethic. So what, didn't it seem really weird for you to, like, adopt, be even have uh, try to fake having an interest, having this giant bobble, because, I mean, they were in your store. Presumably, you could wear them anytime you wanted. It was. It was It was probably at the beginning a little, you know, oh, my, you know, let's get the necklace, you know, just to belong. But afterwards, you know, it wasn't about the necklace, you know. It, and, and so it fit right in. It was all about relationships with these women. So uh, the more, the first meeting I attended, I got it right away that, this necklace wasn't everything. Gail, um, you're called, in, in the book, you're called the traditionalist. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about how you got that moniker. Ooh, this is a hard one. Um, this, this moniker, as you say, was given to me. I think I am traditional in some ways. I dress in a classic way. My home is, is uh, decorated in a traditional manner. And I guess I do. I'm a historian. I like to think about the, the development of things. Well, this is hard to square with your behavior of having <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, 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 See, uh, I'm not that much of a traditionalist. <laughs> now, for all this traditionalism, <laughs> it, you left this. You got the necklace early and left it on your porch? Well, so <laughs> I had somebody leave it on your porch. This is, this is like really crazy. I guess you live in a really nice part of town. Well, actually, it was kind of a funny, a funny story. Uh, I 
was given the opportunity to borrow the necklace for, we, we share the necklace, that was part of the whole idea is that we were going to all share generously. And I had a social event and someone, Janelle suggested, oh, why don't you wear this, ne wear the necklace tonight to your party? And it was an out-of-town party, and go pick it up from this other woman in our group who had it. And we didn't know each other. Not all of us in this group have knew each other when this started out. And I didn't know this Roz McGrath. And uh, they said, just go pick it up from her house. And I called her, and she said, I'm running out the door. I'm just going to leave it on my front porch. And I was like, no, no, I'll be there in just a few minutes. <laughs> Please don't do that. My husband and I are just trying to get ourselves together and run out the door and frantically driving over to her house. And then we realized when we got closer to her house that she actually lives on a ranch down a long country road, very isolated. So it really wasn't as quite a, quite a risk as we were thinking it was. But it really did make my heart stop. Tina, tell me how you guys decided to set up the sharing of this, of this necklace. We decided at the very first meeting how we were going to set this up. And it was going to be each one of the women would have the necklace for 28 days out of the year. And we decided that it would be, we would have the necklace at, for a, a special time for us. It was either our birthdays or our anniversary. So we just set up a calendar. It was very smooth, very easy. Uh, now, Roz Warner, uh, I, I'd like you to tell me, when you guys started this, did you envision it would be anything more than a, a dozen women sharing ownership of a super fine piece of jewelry that they could go out and strut the town with? Or did you think that we would do something more than that from the, from the get-go? It's an odd question for me to answer because when I was first invited to join the group, I said no because I wasn't interested in a diamond necklace. I was more interested in, uh, in camaraderie and, and group dynamic and being part of a group of women. So... For me, I don't think I ever envisioned that we would go out, you know, strutting around wearing a diamond necklace. In fact, lots of times when I wore it, I would wear it inside my shirt so it didn't show so much. So I think that what, what we have become and what we are evolving toward um, is much bigger than just a diamond necklace. It's a group of women that are interacting within our own group and with our community and doing tremendous things. Um, Mary Osborne, could you tell me about some of the things that you're doing and, and tell me uh, how you guys, when you first started, decided to turning this into something more than a, a shared piece of jewelry? I think in the beginning uh, we got together and the original concept was that we would share this necklace, girlfriends get together and enjoy each other, talk about where the necklace had been during the month of the person who, was, who had been wearing it. And um, and then I think something happened at that meeting where we talked about what we had in common. A common link was that all of us wanted to give back to the community. And we decided, you know, doing fundraisers might, you know, be the way to go, something that interests us all. And in addition to being supportive of each other and, and uh, just having fun, too. Now, you're a former English teacher, am I correct on that? No, I'm oh, not. That's oh. Mary O'Connor. Oh, oh. Uh, well. Um, I'm the biker. Uh, <laughs> NRA. You're the Republican. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's, it's the group dynamics is really interesting because it's uh, really diverse. We have from extreme... Uh, you know, a liberal hippie, I guess you would say, to the very conservative, which would probably, I would be on that side of it. But, uh, and, and that's one thing that's really interesting and challenging within the group. We try to leave politics and religion aside and try to really focus on what we do have in common, and that is 
uh, to give back to our community and to be supportive of each other as friends. Joni, uh, you're, you're a designer. Tell us a little bit about why you uh, decided to join this venture. Well, uh, when Jonelle first asked me, I said no. Uh, part of the stipulation to become one of the Julias was to go to Van Gundy's Jewelers and try on the necklace. I had just finished remodeling my home. I didn't have any extra money, and I didn't have any real desire for jewel jewelry. So I never went to Van Gundy's to try it on, and I lost my opportunity. By the time um, I, I saw Jonelle the next time, she said, well, you missed your opportunity to be part of the group. So then all of a sudden I saw what this, this group of women was, was doing in the community and really giving back. And I said, boy, I made a big mistake. I should have gone on board and tried on that necklace. Well, I was given a second chance. Jonelle called me about two years later. One of the girls had left the community and there was an opportunity for another Julia. And uh, they asked me to be a part of the group, which I was so delighted to, to be. And uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, Nancy Huff, um, can you tell me about this necklace? How did it get its name? It, you named it. Uh, you guys named I, it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we did name it. It was after Julia Child. We had decided that Julia Child was one of the first women to step out of the box. She was creative. She was on, you know, she had a cookbook, and she was amazing. And we thought, you know, we'll name it after Julia Child. And we decided that we would also spell Julia differently, and that's where we came up with the J-E-W-E-L-I-A as a jewel. Now, um, Jonelle, uh, you guys, uh, at one point, uh, somebody suggested that you should form an LLC, and this was did not make everybody particularly happy, you especially. Particularly <laughs> tell us, tell me, me why. Uh, tell me about this, the LLC. that uh, Did it get made? Yes, it did get made. Um, I really was opposed to it because, one, this is an experiment of thinking outside the box, and the world turns on the limits of law. You know, we, uh, we always were constrained by law. We, we form LLCs because we don't trust people. We don't, we're, there's fear involved. I realize it's good business practice. I'm a real estate broker. I'm familiar with how the world works. But just for me, it was, this was an opportunity to do something a little differently and to really just uh, set that kind of limitations aside. I wasn't afraid of, of people within the group, outside the group, suing us when we were doing good deeds. And, that, and I, you know, I acknowledge that that's not the way people view the world. It's the way I view the world. So it was difficult for me, but it, it is a group of 13 women, and we've all had to step away from things that we felt strongly about. Uh, Tina, could you tell me about you, the first time you guys decided to give back to the community. Why did you do it and how did you architect that? It seems pretty difficult to me. Um, actually, the women decided they were going to do a fundraiser for a coalition, uh, which is <coughs> for abused women and children in Ventura. And what they did was they uh, contacted a man who owned a restaurant in Ventura and they, they closed it down and they gave, sent out um, invitations for the event and wine and cheese were all donated. Um, I was very reluctant to go to this event. Um, I am a school teacher, and I was taking care of my 90-year-old mother down the block. I was, um, my husband is a dentist, and he was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. So I was very reluctant. I was not going to go to the event. 
Um, I came home from school, and all of a sudden that Catholic guilt just kicked in. Mm -hmm. So I decided maybe I'd better go get dressed and go to this event. I was so happy that I did. When I walked in the uh, restaurant, everyone knew about the restaurant. Uh, not the restaurant. They knew about the necklace, and um, they were there to support the coalition. And by the end of the evening, I was I was totally involved with the idea of stepping out and helping in the community. Pat, Patty, uh, I'd like one thing I've noticed as I, I listen to each of you ladies talk and answer is there really is a lot of difference. Uh, a lot of you didn't want to be said no from the get-go. Um, could you maybe describe uh, some of your meetings? I mean, were they, were they all happy girls toasting wine and, and, and giggling? Uh, pretty much so. And when, when we started, the first meeting was at my house, and um, we, uh, it was just excited. The excitement was amazing because we had the necklace there and everybody was trying it on. It was what the first time we were really all together and owned it. And um, we, uh, we, we've had wonderful times together. We've done incredible things uh, in the community, making a difference in our city. Uh, Joni, could you tell me a little bit about um, how did you guys pick the, the charities you wanted to benefit, and how did you envision this necklace drawing people to uh, benefit a charity? I mean, it, uh, this, it's kind of dissonant, uh, cognitively dissonant, to have this incredibly mind-boggling bobble that is mm -hmm. essentially totally useless uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, to attract people to give away their hard-earned money for, to help other hard-earned pe people who need more help? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think Mary Osborne would be a better person to ask that question, <laughs> answer that question. All right, Mary, tell us why. Well, um, I guess mine was one of the first few uh, fundraisers we had done, and uh, there was an organization in town that had helped one of the members of my family uh, go through a very difficult time, and it was uh, the Miracle House. Miracle House uh, had, um, it's, a, it's an organization that helps women who have drug abuse or uh, they also are alcohol abuse. And they really have a remarkable success rate. My um, family member had been there, and I always wanted to give back. I always wanted to do something for them. And as a single person, I could only give so much money and couldn't really have a huge impact to help this organization. So when we had done a couple of other uh, fundraisers, I thought maybe these ladies could help me do something significant for this organization. And they did. It's amazing when you see all of us work together, uh, you know, finding music, finding a restaurant, everybody pitched in. And we put this fundraiser for the Miracle House. We, were, we managed to get about $7,500, which helped them for three months host 10 women and give them care and counseling. And it was just amazing. And it, it fulfilled for me something I had wanted to do for about eight years. You had a certain set of rules that you set up from the outset. Could you tell us what those rules were and why you laid down the law like that? Well, actually, I don't believe in rules, Rick. These, were, these had a purpose, both of them. The first one, the rule was 
when anyone, if everyone ever got to go to Paris, they would take Julia along. And that was in deference to Julia Child. As Nancy said, she had just passed away before we bought the necklace, and she was the French chef. So that seemed like that would be a fun thing. It would appeal to people. It was, it was about getting people to want to join the group. And the second rule was that any woman, during the time that she had the necklace, had to make love at least once, wearing only the necklace. That had two points to it. One, it enrolled a lot of the husbands who were somewhat <laughs> skeptical and weren't sure they wanted their wives to do that, and apparently was successful. <laughs> and the second reason really was because at this point in your life, I think it's important that women realize that they can still be sexual, sensual beings and have that sense of, of joy and involvement in life. So it was, it was opening a conversation so that everybody would perhaps look at that. Dale, one of the uh, benefits you guys did was for the homeless. Uh, could you tell us how you architected this and, and how you set it up and, and what happened as a result? Well, this was a little bit different than some of uh, our other endeavors. Uh, we, were, we became aware of a woman in our community named Gail Levesque who had become homeless. She had been a, a caregiver to an elderly person and had lost the job when this um, woman moved into, the elder, elderly person moved into a facility for the elderly. And uh, she suddenly, our homeless woman, ah, that, sorry, I'm not doing very well. Okay, uh, so we found out that this, this woman in our community, Gail Levesque, had lost her job and lost the place she was living because she was a caregiver. And the person that she'd been helping had been moved into a facility. So this Gail found herself without a home and without a place to live. And we decided that we would like to help her to get off the streets, become self-sustaining again and the first thing we needed to do was besides finding her a place to live was to help her find a job and uh, we became, became aware of how difficult that is for homeless people they don't have a phone they don't have an address they can apply for a job but where is their prospective employer going to get a hold of them so we started working on those kind of things for her and then we became aware of various health problems she had and she really became sort of a, a personal project, very personal project for us because rather than being an organization, she was an individual. And I think most of us had never met a homeless person before. And she really became um, a, a part of our group. Now when we do things with, with her and are out in the community, she introduces us as her sisters. And uh, it's really been a touching experience for us. And uh, we've been working with some of the local, state, and federal agencies to try to get her back on her feet, which has been a very interesting learning experience, too, because it's very difficult to get through these, uh, these programs. But I think it's been a very rewarding and heartwarming experience for us. Uh, Nancy, um, one of the things that you decided to use the necklace for was to help you get out more. Tell yes. us, tell us yes. a little bit about um, having fun. This sounds I, like a good point. I live with a really great guy, and I've been with him for 38 years, married. We have three kids, but he's always been a slug, and <laughs> I've always been a party animal. And, you know, as you get older, the things you are become more intensified. I, my, I had, like, the empty nest syndrome. My kids had left before I'd been involved with school and, you know, all the things that you are involved with with kids. And I realized that I was getting angry uh, with the fact that Wayne was not um, f 
fun. And he didn't, I mean, he was just wanted to stay home. He, he became the Barca lounger husband, you know. <laughs> and when Jonelle asked me to do this, I thought this is my opportunity to, I work in an office by myself, so this is my opportunity to meet women, do things, get reinvolved in the community, and it has, and I told Jonelle yesterday, this is, actually this group has given me a, my conscience back. I have my conscience. I like the involvement in, you know, helping and being involved. Roz, uh, you describe yourself a, a, as a feminist and kind of wrong, wrong Roz? <laughs> okay. Roz, well, she's not a feminist. She's a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> Very close to a feminist. Okay, right. you, you can see the picture in the book. Yeah. <laughs> she's a doctor. Yeah, the doctor. That's a little confusing. It three Marys and two Rozes. Two Osbournes. Now, oh, well, <laughs> Roz, you have a really interesting history. I'm, I mean, you uh, became a doctor at the age of 32. Could you talk about your story and, and how what you did, uh, how your life led you to, to embrace this necklace and, and this group of women you're with? Well, I um, had an early marriage. Uh, and an early child, <laughs> and uh, ended up being a single mother for a very long time, and then did go to college, but eventually did get back to medical school in my 30s and uh, became a physician. And throughout the course of my life and my career, I really did not have a lot of female support groups. And when I came to Ventura um, about eight years ago, this group really provided me with an opportunity to um, make acquaintances with women and get support and truly the group has really qualitatively changed my life. I, I now have women that I can call, uh, women that provide me with support and friendship and uh, a whole new adventure for me. Not about the necklace but about mm -hmm. the women. <laughs> uh, Priscilla, um, could you talk a bit about um, how because this all kind of came out uh, of where you know your your jewelry store, um, could you talk about how it brought you out as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, when the women came in to buy purchase the necklace, um, again my husband was the jeweler that sold them. He saw them first. I never really did meet them or see them, um, and he recognized the fun and the energy. And at that point, um, I had lost my sister. Um, she was 39 when she died, and she had just died three months before that. And um, and uh, he didn't like the fact that I wasn't smiling anymore, and I probably had become a little depressed with all this, you know, what had happened in the family. And so when he saw the women come in, he was so excited, and he loved what he saw in these women. He, lo he loved the com camaraderie and the fun and the laughter, and he said um, he thought that this would be a great thing for me, too. And so when he negotiated that price with Jonelle, he said, I'll give you this price, but my wife's part of the deal. <laughs> so, and uh, he wanted that smile back on my face, and I've had it there ever since. <laughs> so. uh, Tina, one of the things that um, this whole experiment about was for the group was about what what it is to be wealthy now and i have to ask is that the necklace yes this it, is the necklace you're wearing the necklace yes i am <laughs> wow i thought i recognized it but i just i was 
I actually was couldn't believe that you'd be wearing it. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Julia's, Julia, Julia gets around. <laughs> right, uh, skydiving even. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how being able to own something so um, incredible really uh, changed all your perceptions of what it was to be wealthy or, or what wealth meant for you. Oh, I don't think um, it changed our perspective of being wealthy. It really, the, the thing about the necklace is that we have shared it with so many other people. And what we get back when we put it on someone else's neck, um, that's, that's what's meaningful to us. I have a, one of the teachers at my school has been there for over 30 years. She says she's been there since Jesus was a baby. <laughs> and um, she's a heavy set lady. She takes care of her mother. She's never been married. And I let her borrow the necklace one day, and she said, I felt thinner, and yet I felt closer to Tina. So it's really, it doesn't have anything to do with wealth at all. Jonelle, um, could you tell me uh, about um, setting the agenda for these meetings? How often did you guys meet, and who was there? It wasn't all the same 12 people every time, was it? Uh, pretty much everybody comes all the time. Actually, I'd rather talk about wealth, but if you want me to oh. talk about this, I'd be happy to. <laughs> I'm the one that's concerned with that. Okay, but well. No, we say, no. The agenda, the agendas are we always open with people having an opportunity to talk about what they've done with the necklace because Julia does do lots of things. She's honored lots of women in different, uh, uh, we honored a woman who'd shared, given a kidney to her friend. And it's really about sharing. That's truly sharing. At Christmas time, we talked about giving towels to the homeless. So from the beginning, we've always had a philanthropic bent. But it changes. I mean, if we're planning an event, then we're working on that. Um, when the book was being written, we had a lot of stories to share about Cheryl Jarvis, who wrote the book. But the agendas has, sometimes were amusing, and, and now as it's developed, they're more down to business, I think we'd say. But it's always, it, it's, it's different every time, and it's every 28 days. And everybody tries the schedule being there, because it is a lot of fun, and a lot happens. Okay, now you're more, you're concerned with wealth. Tell me, this is an experiment in wealth for you because all of a sudden you own this incredible piece of jewelry. Tell me how it made you feel. Didn't you feel kind of guilty? Well, that that really is the point. I mean, that was the point of the paradox from the beginning. I've always thought that there was enough to go around on the planet if everybody shared it, and some people didn't have to have so much more than other people. And to me, this was at at the moment that I heard the price. This is what so much more looked like. So that paradox of so much more and enough to go around, it is about, I think it is about women our age coming to terms with what consumerism is. I mean, I know part of what drives all of us to look at something like this. It isn't just how good we look at it. It's what we've been, you know, it's what we see. It's what we see in, in Vogue magazine. It's what we see on television every day. We are a consumer society, and there is that draw. So I think that we have to... The empathy that we developed, what we've developed with this homeless woman, what we developed when we worked with the, the coalition, when we worked with Mary's Miracle House, when we see people that are struggling in different situations, it's given us an opportunity through sharing to really look at what a difference you can make when you do share, and there isn't so much. I've been speaking with many of the women, not all of the women who shared the necklace and. 13 women in an experiment that transformed their lives. Thank you for joining me, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you.
kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the auto mat. Men grow cold as girls grow old. We all lose our charm in the end. But square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Let's rock. Come a time when the last needs a lawyer. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. There may come a time when a hard-boiled employer thinks you're awful nice, but get that ice or else no dice. He's your guy. Stocks are high, but beware when they start to descend. It's then that those louses go back to their spouses. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. 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 Let's rock again. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.